Welcome to the Citizen-Centric Podcast, transforming our cities with technology and sharing. Yes, welcome to the Citizen-Centric Podcast. I'm Ken Dooley, and today I'm joined by Henrik Botten-Daubol, who is the Director of Real Estate for WeWork Nordics. Um, and just in case anyone's missed WeWork over the last while, um, all you have to know is they're a nine-year-old company with a valuation of $40 billion. So Henrik, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to, to be on. Okay, cool. Um, do you want to tell a little bit about your background and how you ended up with WeWork in the, in the Nordics? That there isn't too many people in this area working for WeWork. How did, how did you end up there? So uh, I, I have been working with a lot of different networks in the region uh, for many years. So my background is actually uh, as a corporate lawyer. So I worked in a, a law firm for, for many years. And, uh, and uh, we, uh, on the side of this, we built up a network for, for young people in real estate. So, so we, we are building a big um, network in the Nordics for, from that. And, and through, through, the, through this, uh, these platforms, I got to know WeWork a little bit, uh, and I actually tried to, to I brought a lot of our clients from the law firm to the London to see and see what uh, WeWork were doing. But uh, then I realized that uh, WeWork is actually uh, hiring as well, and when they needed someone for the Nordics, then uh, it was uh, something that I really uh, wanted to, to do. And, and I also uh, run this uh, PropTech network for, for, the, for the Nordics on the side of this, so um, very interested in tech and, and how that will disrupt or change the real estate industry. So I think this was a good match uh, for, for me. Okay, and actually, just while we have a prop tech expert, um, I recently saw a KPMG at an event in Helsinki were kind of showing prop tech definitions, and they had um, a, a article from Oxford Business School where they had prop tech in the definition was you know um a some part was about payments one part is about spec, smart technologies and the largest part of all was a kind of sharing economy perspective on prop tech do you have you seen that and, and do you kind of agree that it's let's say if i'm picking numbers here 25 percent about payments 35 percent about 30 percent about smart technologies and then you know 50-60% actually really focused on sharing economy. Is sharing that much of, of the part of PropTech? I would uh, think that uh, that is correct. So there's a lot of discussions in the PropTech community about uh, what's the definition of PropTech really. And I've I, I never been too much involved in the definition question, but I follow the, the Oxford University uh, definition that uh, KPMG is also following with these three three uh, types of lines uh, and and i think there's a lot of good things going on in the in the sharing economy part of it um, uh, but uh, really uh, a lot of these things enable each other so you need a lot of smart technology to to run a really good uh, good co-working space or, or uh, some kind of uh, new solutions for hotels or or anything like that so so i think they're all interlinked in a, in a okay. certain way but uh, yes there's a lot of things uh, going on in the more sharing economy part of, of uh, the, the this community Okay, sounds good. And then, so if we start with WeWork then in the Nordics, how do WeWork see the Nordics? What's, what, is there any master plan for um, introducing the company to the Nordics? So we're opening our first building in Sweden uh, on the 3rd of June. So that's going to be a massive uh, building in the middle of Stockholm of 14,000 14, square meters. And, and this marks our, our first launch in the Nordics. 
And then we're exploring all the major cities in Northern Europe. So, and the Nordics are super interesting. Uh, so, uh, so we will let you know once we have uh, the other buildings to, to announce in the other cities as well. But of course, we're looking at the capital cities of, of the Nordics. That's uh, my job. Okay, and actually, uh, a couple of our network has kind of gone and, and has been looking at the co-working scene in Stockholm, and it's actually quite established, and it's really quite varied, so it'll be really interesting to see how you guys get on and uh, why people are choosing you guys, so, so that's something that we'll, we, we will monitor in, in, in the coming months. Um, yeah, that's yeah, and that's, yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, interesting as well because there's a lot of great, um, great companies uh, working in the co-working uh, part of it. But we are, I think, what our uh, offering is more complementary to to what's already there and not uh, a competition to to the companies that are there. But we'll get more into yeah. to that as well. Yeah, and, and then well, that's a good place to start, I suppose. How do you guys position yourself? How do you guys position yourself or where do you kind of create that wow effect compared to um, a traditional kind of fun co-working space which has nice food and a, and a kind of a, and has a curated vibe um, and is a, is a more fun uh, and vibrant place to work if that's driven by kind of art or furniture or location? How do you guys kind of fit in and, and, and kind of create the, the WeWork effect compared to standard co-working? So, so we, uh, we have a strategy of, uh, of putting humans in the center of whatever we do. So it's all, all about starting with the sign of the space and then the interaction uh, uh, with the community and each other. And we have three things that uh, I want to highlight. It's, it's uh, the, the sign of the buildings. And this is something that we've been discussing a lot. Uh, for example, the corridors, uh, as we spoke about with the data, uh, the corridors are, are uh, deliberately uh, made more narrow than, than in other buildings. And that's because we have uh, data that shows that that will actually increase uh, interactions in the building between the people in the, in the building. That's something that we tested over a lot of um, different locations all over the world. So we have all this data that, uh, that will uh, tell us how to, to design the buildings uh, in a most uh, efficient and, and, and uh, the best way to, to enable good interactions with people. And then we have the community team uh, running the buildings who are very, very personal and, and they are open, young, friendly people that knows everyone in the building and their only job or their job is to, to really uh, focus on, on the people there and not to cleaning or not do, do, do the other functions of it, but they're only focused on on, uh, on uh, that, that the people are, are actually having a nice time in, in the building. And uh, some people will say that that would be a cost um, costly measure to have in the building, but the point with the community team is that they are they are actually, um, uh, they, they know when something is up. So if, if someone is not satisfied with something on the fifth floor or there's something in, on the first floor or some uh, tenants want to really should uh, should make a good connection, they could, they could uh, do that. So, so we actually enhance the experience uh, through that team. And then there's uh, more of the member interaction. So, so we have worked on very many models in the, the, all the cities that we're working on all over, all over the world. and. And uh, actually, we have statistics showing that 50% of the members have actually worked together, not just interacted, but started doing business together. And 30% uh, have said that they have uh, got good ideas on how to improve their business by being in WeWork. So, so I think that's um, something that sets us apart. And then it's up to people to just uh, 
show, show up in uh, Stockholm and uh, we will be happy to show people around and, and they could uh, look and decide for themselves. Okay, and actually, you know, I wasn't going to talk about the global impact report that you guys have uh, have produced quite recently. I wasn't going to talk about it so earlier, so early in the episode, but you, you have touched on something there. So this idea of your members kind of working together, this is something that a professor of business at NYU has said in your global impact report, that you kind of got, you have kind of created this kind of physical world of equivalent of a digital platform, so that there is kind of benefits by being there because the other people operating on the same platform, which in this case is a bit in, in this case is a building or a space, um, there are there are kind of network effect benefits from the other people there. Mm. Um, that seems to be something you guys have done quite well. Yeah. So uh, and uh, of course, my my uh, I have read the report like in well as I have not uh, been in in the process of of making this report, of course. But but uh, I think those findings are really interesting in that. Uh, Seventy-eight percent. That's a really high number of the members that are saying that WeWork has actually helped them attract and retain talent in the building, and that since we have a global presence, it's easier to hire people and attract them through through our uh, our community facilities and events and, and the central locations, and and um, and. Um, we have also a lot of enterprise members, and when we ask them what's the most important thing about this is that they actually, even though they have a big office or have a hub from before, they would use WeWork to attract the new talents and the new part of their business. And so they, and WeWork is always placed on a very central location as well, so it's a good good spot for enterprise clients. Okay, and we just recorded an episode with a Swedish kind of workplace transformation expert. Um, it's the episode before this, it's Kathy Barklund. Um, and she's been talking about kind of workplace as a strategic tool. So you decide what kind of company you are or want to be, and you design the kind of digital workplace and the kind of physical workplace around that. So you could have a company that wants to be, you know, their strategic focus is to be a family, um, and kind of really bring your family in and kind of have those kind of things. You ha could have a strategic focus as learning or autonomy or productivity or creativity or a kind of collaboration. This kind of, that you focus on, let's say, a target or a strategic value that you want to um, have in your everyday life in your workplace. Um, and that the kind of digital and physical realms fit around that. Do you guys talk about one of these things? Is, is it collaboration or autonomy or flexibility? Is there one of these kind of targets that you guys talk about more than, than others? I think uh, all of these, like flexibility and, and, uh, and mobility, and uh, are really important. But there's also about the design of the workspace. So that's uh, I, I agree completely with what they are saying because uh, um, everyone views like these co-working spaces as just uh, like everything is upbeat. It's a lot of young people. It's it's, it's just um, uh, just one type of atmosphere. But it's actually how you say it. it's it's. Is different kind of, uh, of environments created within the same building. So if you really would need to go to the place to concentrate and write a document all by yourself, there's space for that as well. But when I came in here in Berlin for uh, today, for example, for breakfast, then it was like an upbeat atmosphere, and, and you get that energy that you that you need. So I think it's within the buildings there are, are different kind of concepts to to uh, to uh, enable this, and and uh, then of course we are working a lot with. The, um, using our data to find out how people will um, 
uh, interact the best in, uh, in uh, how they want their workspace to be laid out to have uh, the most uh, collaboration and uh, the best kind of places for that. So it's, it's uh, yeah, I think that's um, agreed. But that, uh, it's also just about uh, looking at all the good, good solutions out there in this kind of segment and then, then just reimagine that you just rent 800 square meters of an office with nothing included. It's a kind of a very different, a very different experience. So it's, um, I think uh, there's a lot of uh, things going on in this scene that will affect the whole, whole workplace uh, uh, going forward. Okay, and what's what's changing most? What has changed over the last couple of years? Is it kind of demographics of the workplace, or people's kind of expectations have changed? Uh, what do you guys say about this? Why is it happening? Uh, what's what's occurring? I think uh, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of. Um, um, Expectations on on uh, how um, you should uh, should set up a new new workplace, and I think this is uh, something that, uh, especially the millennial generation, uh, that um, will be the biggest part of the workforce by 2025, are are really aiming at. But it's really important that to say that it's. Uh, I think this change is powered by this millennial generation, but it's not solely for the millennial generations because it's. Uh, I think it's about the. Uh, um, changing the demands and the values uh, towards the employer and the workplace. And I think people are getting more and more purpose-oriented and, and they want to work in more than just a big successful uh, company. They want to have a, a, a balance and, and they want to impact society and have an environment for creating innovative ideas and, and all those things. And I think uh, the workplace needs to, uh, to try to step up and to to uh, be part of that process because people are demanding uh, a, a different kind of uh, kind of uh, workplace uh, now. Yeah, yeah. and um, so, so so how are you guys providing that? Is it that um, younger people are kind of valuing time and don't want to be stuck in traffic going to kind of a uh, a, a big corporate office block on the outside of the city, and they want to kind of just work in the in the in the place that's most convenient. Is it that they want to be really flexible? They don't want to come to work until noon, and they want the kind of office uh, services and restaurants, and 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 they want their colleagues to kind of be working twelve to eight, and for it not to be this really regimented you know everyone walks in the door at nine and leaves again at five and and if you want to work late then there's no one there uh, how are you guys providing some of those expectations or, or what are like clear examples of those expectations i i think it's um, it's about um, enabling a, a different kind of a workplace and i went into this a little bit before but it's uh, it's about uh, if you go to a standard office building then it's, uh, it's supposed to be there from eight till till five and then there's uh, the oldest zones are pretty pretty similar i think we are 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 making this into a science almost to to analyze how people want to to use the different parts of the building what kind of uh, kind of needs they they really want and and they, you can look into uh, to this um, with with the data that we are, are gathering as well, and to, that we are using. That, uh, for example, we saw that uh, um, a lot of people they they say that uh, if if they're thinking about the place to have their breaks, they are thinking about uh, 
they are saying that they want really a really uh, quite uh, nice place with with uh, deep lounge chairs and and, uh, and a fireplace and <laughs> and all those things because people are when they are responding to this kind of service they are yeah. thinking about how they are are uh, have it at home and how they want to relax but we actually found out that 38% of people which is the largest group prefer to have their all their breaks in in the pantry areas like the kitchen areas and and they spend all, uh, the same amount of time in, in those kind of areas but they are are uh, are uh, different kind of feeling really if you go there grab a coffee talk to some friends flip to the newspapers and go back but um, and we saw the statistics and the reason why it is like that it's not that important because we know that this is how a lot of people uh, in our service are actually responding so then we are starting to build uh, this kind of pantry kitchen areas as or break areas instead of these lounge chairs. Not because we feel like that's how it is, and someone told us that that the kitchen areas are typically the place where people will have their breaks, but we know that's how people actually uh, respond. And the same with the, the hallways and the staircases, as I talked about a little bit earlier as well. Like we found out that if you have narrow staircases in internal staircases and more of them there's a much more higher likelihood that people will become friends in a building than if they're wide or there's not a lot of them and and uh, it's like it's uh, not uh, initially clear why it is like that and we don't go too deep into that but we think that if you walk close uh, by uh, by a coworker, then you have to say hi every time you walk past them. So if you do that over a long okay. time, period of time, then you will actually start to interact. And but but uh, the point is that then we'll we work will actually make those uh, hallways and staircases narrower, and they will try to put in a lot of more internal staircases. Not because they feel like that will uh, benefit the work environment. You know that will have this kind of effect. So and these are just two examples of 10,000 of these micro insights that we, that we have through our, our, our data and we so so we try to, to try to do fact-based decisions on how people actually use their want to use their workspace in the more better okay. way. That's really interesting. So I have a couple of questions based on that then. And so one is, how are you kind of gathering that information? Are you just kind of doing pretty standard surveys, for example, measuring how close people feel with the other people in the buildings? Um, and you have enough spaces that when you ask this question and people say there's a lot of collaboration here, it seems to be that um, buildings with certain physical traits, such as narrow staircases or narrow corridors, they seem to always have... Um, a relatively high percentage of, let's say, collaboration or or kind of togetherness. Is is that is that how you guys do it? Yeah. So so I, I of course I'm not um, cannot get into the, deep into the method, but yeah, it's yeah. about the power of scale and uh, and the, like the uh, big numbers that we can get. But it's really a lot of people are talking about how how to get the insights, but it's really actually pretty uh, simple in a way because we are, for example, in our meeting rooms, uh, we have uh, an app just the logs uh, like when our meeting rooms used, and uh, that's it. Like a lot of companies have that. But if you take that data over a lot of countries, then you, you can actually start to see this, uh, this pattern on how meeting rooms are used. So we see in, in China, uh, people are bringing a lot of people to the meeting and they are always packed and they want these big meeting rooms because they are always occupied. While in Argentina and Brazil, uh, people will actually 
not the book the meanings ahead and 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 then they um, and they they will will uh, show up later on time as well and and how do you do that then you how do you do that then like what do you do without yeah. information well what what we do is that we try to adapt locally so it's not but it's based on the fact so we know that's how it is in these countries but we we don't try to change the way people are actually using the meeting rooms, but we are having better routines in China for how to uh, air out the rooms, to have more big meeting rooms. And in Argentina, we, we actually try to, to facilitate so people can actually show up uh, and they still get a meeting room and that we facilitate that people will actually sit over the time. But Because even though they have booked the meeting in a certain time period, if they expect uh, in, in that country to be able to sit uh, longer, then we have to have this kind of vacancy for those kind of situations. So, and that's all that data is not, it's then uh, based on pure facts and it's yeah. really like an easy, uh, easy information to, to get that a lot of people could uh, get, but it's all about having this data-driven approach to, to it and trying to figure out how, like uh, what data do I have and how can I analyze it and how can I use that to make my, my business better. And uh, that's yeah. what we okay. can do. Yeah, and if we go back to the question I asked a few moments ago, so I think you've answered it really interestingly. So when I was asking a moment ago about people's expectations um, from 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 you know workplace today, from physical workplace today, and you know you were talking about the idea that there's variety and choice, and I suppose kind of choice becomes a kind of a freedom that there's lots of different places to work. But if you think about from just a kind of management point of view, offering lots of different choice of spaces uh, could be potentially expensive. You know, you could have lots of quiet zones, you could have lots of coffee areas, um, you could have, you know, co collaboration zones where people kind of sit together and they, they talk and collaborate if they want, otherwise they work alone. Um, and I suppose with for you guys, because you've always chosen such kind of middle of the city kind of expensive real estate, and if you want to offer lots and lots of choice as well, then you really need to understand what people um, are using and what they're not using because it starts to become expensive for you guys. And uh, from what I've seen, you guys have been really ruthless with your kind of allocation of space. So once you find out space isn't being used, you're, you're removing it. So it seems to be this really nice balance between offering lots of different space, um, choice and variety so the, the local kind of needs can be met. Um, and then when you find out what's popular and what isn't popular, then you really need to fine tune uh, that type of space or that, that that way you deliver space. And that seems to be the, the real way of kind of you know, finding that ability to provide variety and choice and freedom, but still keeping the kind of costs down, let's say. Yeah, and, and that's a really good point as well. Uh, as well. Like we, it's, it's, a, it's about having the mindset that when the building is open and you really open a new location, everything looks good, then, then it's just started. Then you have to see how people respond to this building and then you can change it or change where the functions are or, or how actually the building is. Like if you have a lot of small meeting rooms and people expect bigger ones, then we have to tear down the wall and, and make a bigger meeting room because that's what people want. So it's all about having the mindset that when the office space is, is, um, is delivered, then it's not uh, really finished. And we are in, working a lot with our architects on this as well to set up strategies on how we could, could do this and how you could actually attract to change, uh, like uh, enable the building to be easily transformed if, if necessary. And, and I think that's uh, 
that's uh, part of the reason of um, the success uh, because uh, because uh, you, you, we make a lot of assumptions when you set up a building uh, based on the data and, and how we, we think that it's going to be used. But if it's used in a completely different way, then we have to adapt as well. So it's not uh, we uh, so it will function optimally. And I think that's uh, a mindset that uh, a lot of people could have in the real estate industry. Actually, I think uh, a lot of the traditional offices are, are just uh, you open a beautiful beautiful space that's um, and said this is done and it's going to be like this for 15 years yeah and, uh, yeah that's uh, not how we think uh, yeah and, uh, yeah and I think I think real estate as an industry is really struggling with this phrase you know buildings should not be the, you know it, it, it's a journey we go on it, when, once you provide a building and you aren't at your destination it's a kind of continuous journey it's like a web page that you put some news up on day one and you have to completely uh, kind of populate it with new information all the time otherwise you're kind of not adding value um, and actually this is something that that is creeping into our industry i heard it said at a really huge smart building conference in amsterdam early in the year and i was impressed that people were saying it there Kati um, Bartlund had said, has said it recently the workplace um, is never a destination you reach it's always something that you're improving and for physical space I think we as an industry that, I, that we're involved in are really bad at understanding that um, you build walls you paint walls you install furniture um, you you know you put carpets in or whatever and if those things are being taken out uh, and changed after six months then um, or after three months, then that's a totally new way to kind of design and install and kind of run real estate. And you guys seem to be the most, um, you guys seem to be the best at that. And it seems to be real, you know, if it isn't working, then it's costing us. Um, so, you know, the, the replacement and the fixing of this is a much better approach to make. But, but that's, that, that's a really breath of fresh air since you guys have arrived in the industry. Yeah, I think that's the idea that spreads. It's um, so. So I went to this uh, conference in Copenhagen uh, a few weeks ago. We called Trends and Traditions, where where uh, it's all about like uh, furniture and interior design. So we're just there to to talk to uh, to listen to a colleague uh, who's speaking. But but uh, a lot of these furniture companies as well have these ideas that you could actually you don't have to buy office furniture yeah. you could actually yeah. just rent them and they could change them all the time so this has nothing to do with with our rework model but this was really interesting to see how all these furniture companies as well were realizing the same thing that the people uh, because this was all about office furniture and they said that people are actually uh, starting to uh, question that do we really need to buy this sofa and have this for 15 years i want to change it in perhaps five years on these chairs so, so, uh, so a lot of people are getting on this, uh, these ideas, and uh, just to, just to have like a leasing or renting uh, period of, of uh, furniture with uh, them changing, uh, is quite a good idea. But uh, as yeah. well, of course, nothing to do with, with us. But it was really interesting to see a lot of these uh, related industries are starting to think in this way as well. Yeah, but I, I really see it going that way. So we've actually, there's a Finnish company, Martella, who are a furniture company who have a workplace as a service model, exactly as you've just mentioned. And we've hired them in a space that I'm kind of on the advisory group of in, in Galas, Ottoman, Helsinki, where we're opening up a kind of public space. Um, we don't know if it'll be used for, for kind of seminars or for quiet working or for kind of coffee zone working. It's kind of a, it's kind of a free uh, city provided, let's say, co-working space or meeting space. It could be used for kind of 3D printers. And then because we don't know the demand that the local neighborhood will use it for, we're going to adapt the furniture over time while we see that. So we've hired 
kind of workplace as a service um, from Martala. So that's that's I can and I can totally see it going that way. I can totally see us knowing 40 to 50 percent of the kind of spaces we need um, and then kind of filling the gaps with kind of pod box meeting kind of framery type meeting rooms um, and changing furniture. I can totally see it being that way. Yeah, and um, it's interesting because uh, all this uh, is interlinked, as I told you as well. Like, if you think about, like, yeah, why did they have the idea of they're renting furniture? Because they don't know how long they're going to use their space. And it's the same thing, actually, with the co-working as well. Like, um, EY made this survey who said that 61% of the CEOs of a big global company don't uh, know how to predict work costs or the labor costs with, uh, in the next three years. They don't know what they're going to be in three years. And what that number actually says is that they really don't know how many people there are in three years. And still they rent giant buildings yeah. for 15 years and they yeah. buy furniture to last for 15 years. But, but really, the, the, the only could, could only predict uh, three years in, into the future. So they are actually taking a huge risk. And I think all these models with, with Space as a Service and uh, with WeWork does and what other people do, it's all, all into, like this big, big trend. And um, I think that's a part of the... Um, part of the answer as well is that the world is getting more unpredictable. I think it's uh, harder to, to foresee how your business is going to be in seven years or ten years. Um, and I think that's uh, one of the reasons that why a lot of big cor corporates as well are, are coming to, to WeWork because we have a lot of big companies coming to us and, and I think uh, all of these solutions are driven by, by a lot of that, that uncertainty uh, that uh, everything's changing uh, all the time. Yeah, and actually one question while I remember, while I have you on, um, is you've talked about in the past, uh, you've shown a photograph of kind of people sitting on sofas watching the World Cup final. And you've kind of said that people in the middle of the day, kind of let's say sitting on sofas and kind of sitting on the floor and, and kind of all hunched together, kind of looking at the same thing. And maybe this is in the middle of the working day, that this is kind of the epitome or a really good example of kind of future working culture. Why do you show that example? Why is that, why is that a good example? And actually, I I've used this on stage recently. Yeah, um, I think... uh, yeah so go, go ahead. I think it's super interesting because uh, a lot of the big corporates are coming to us for the flexibility and for, for that kind of solutions that it's easy to, to scale up and down and, and uh, we are very, very centrally located. Uh, but then we, uh, of course, place them, uh, place a lot of the, for example, a big, big bank, then we will place a lot of cool fintech startups uh, around them. And then uh, when, when people, uh, when they meet uh, in all these common areas, uh, in, um, it's uh, like a strategy behind it as well. So it's, uh, uh, and, and then like after a couple of years, people are actually saying that uh, one of the best benefits of sitting in the WeWork was that we met all these cool new, new startups and we got to be, become friends with them. So, so, so I think it's uh, about uh, making um, more synergies for, for the big companies. But, but it's really interesting to see that uh, if you enable such a good workplace, then, then people will actually, uh, as the example from Chancellor people will actually go to the common areas when they're done with their work and watch the football game there with people that they actually work with and or work with the companies in the same building then rather than go 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 home but then yeah we made a I, I think we showed this example just to see like how uh, it's it's about uh, making uh, the workplace feel like uh, not a home but with it feels like somewhere that you really are comfortable in sitting like i 
think a lot of people uh, and uh, myself as well wouldn't be uh, that comfortable sitting at my, my like a big office building and watching a football game with um, yeah. a couple of uh, random colleagues. But, but in WeWork, that feels really natural, and it's um, it's about like the whole experience that we have facilitated before that that enables that. But it's, uh, okay, it's, yeah, uh, it's yeah, really no, I, okay, that's a really good point. Okay, so so and I suppose one of the underlining uh, or yeah, the underpinning facts is that everyone's business is kind of being disrupted and transforming so quickly. So there's an expectation that kind of productivity at the moment is, is a collaboration. You know, productivity equals collaboration. Um, and I suppose if you can create that culture during the working day, then that says something. But if you want to have some free time in the evening to watch the Champions League or whatever it is, and you actually choose uh, your office building to stay and kind of have a beer there, then that really kind of shows your comfort. And I totally get this. When I worked in London, actually, our office was was kind of near Oxford Street. Um, and anytime somebody wanted to come visit me and go shopping, I had this, oh, my God, I, I couldn't possibly go that close to the office on a Saturday afternoon because it was this, uh, I can't go there. This is my free time. But I suppose that's a really good sign. If you're willing to in your free time and it's it, it makes perfect sense for you to kind of stay in you know i'll put it in, in in air quotes stay in the office later on to do that then you you really have kind of broken down this you know scary place where i have to work and i only want to stay in a minimum amount of time you've really broken those kind of boundaries yeah and it's, it's, it's all about that slight difference and i i uh, we're starting to realize this now but i'm sitting in berlin and there's a lot of cool cool places uh, to go out there of course but i'm sitting in the WeWork, and when some of my colleagues and me are grabbing a beer we're going up to the common areas here at WeWork first and and perhaps uh, something else later but but in a traditional office building we would of course first thing we were thinking let's get out of here and let's uh, yeah. let's find a yeah. bar find somewhere to sit uh, like who feels which feels more comfortable, but here we are. I think I'm more just comfortable going up to the common area and sitting here and, and having a beer with a few colleagues, and then then we do something else later. But it's uh, I think it's about that uh, comfort that the whole concept uh, is, is uh, making. Yeah, okay, that makes loads of sense. Um, when we've kind of talked in the past as well, we've talked about kind of locations um, and you know kind of the, the kind of places you guys pick. Uh, you guys could have a kind of quite a big impact on, let's say, the value of real estate around you or the kind of utilization, utilization of services around you. Uh, what's driving your locations at the moment? Why do you choose a neighborhood or a place or a massive building versus a couple of buildings spread over the city? Where do you guys start in that conversation? So we always uh, are thinking about like uh, city centers and how to uh, find the most central location in that city. And I think that's uh, um, I think that's um, uh, one of the, the big big factors. Like that, we work is actually in the most central location in the city, so you will attract a lot of people. And but also it's it's a it's a risk thing because even though the rent is higher. Uh, other things could be, be be adjusted with uh, with that with the desk price and and, and I think that uh, just uh, being in the city center like if you have the best building in the city center in the very best location I think there's uh, not that big of a risk that people will uh, not uh, want to uh, be in that area like even 
in a downturn or even if anything happens, like people will still want to sit in that uh, most central yeah. area of the city. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and is there anything around, again, like from a demographic point of view of, if I'm in the city centre, then maybe there's a higher percentage of people kind of travelling uh, not by their own car, uh, they're coming on public transport or on bikes and these kind of things, and maybe that's a younger thing to do. Um, and actually those kind of things kind of contribute as well, that... that um, if I, to make a generalization, generalization that my dad or somebody wants to drive to work every day and would like to have a kind of out of town um, office building where he can park his car every day and all of these things. But actually, um, me and the people younger than me don't want that. We don't want to kind of travel by a car every day. Uh, we want the choice of public transport or cycling or whatever it is. We want to um, kind of use kind of services, be it kind of concerts or music or kind of music or food or sports after work. Um, is it also a kind of demographic point of view that that your demographic isn't found on the edges of cities? Yeah, yeah, um, and that's, uh, that's a good question as well. Like, yeah, uh, to take the first part of it, yes, we found that uh, a lot, or almost all, are are, are uh, the people are sitting in the WeWork because of the locations are uh, trying to uh, travel eco-friendly and with the subway or or bikes or anything like that. So we're trying to to facilitate for for that. But I think there's. A big market for someone to also uh, work in, like do uh, these more transportation hubs. Like if you work outside the city and, and on a Friday you don't want to go into the city, you want to stay out in in the outskirts of a the city, then uh, you can have co-working spaces there. Uh, we work will not uh, take that market because it's uh, it's not our concept, and we need that places to be completely full and, and more vibrant. But but I think there's a it's a big market for for that as well for anyone to take that on like to do like the the more uh, transportation uh, outside the cities um, um, the cities yeah so so uh, but, but in our view like we have a very limited amount of car spaces so we we of course always uh, will tell the members where they could rent space from anyone else if they really need to use a car but uh, but uh, we see in that uh, like uh, overwhelming part of uh, our, our um, community is actually using uh, public transport uh, to to the office, and that goes for for big big um, corporations as well. I think it's about a little bit about the mindset uh, in the WeWork as well. Like you, you uh, the central located, everyone gets in in uh, through that kind of uh, public transportation. So I, yeah, I, I it's not. Uh, based on a really car uh, strategy, I would say. Yeah. And actually, we had a really interesting discussion in one of our previous discussions from Dublin, uh, the, the kind of guys behind the smart city in Dublin, and they were basically saying that the new kind of tech hubs that are going to be built in the city, there just isn't going to be car parking. Um, so you have, uh, let's say, high-end real estate owners who are renovating or building new buildings, um, and they're now basically on day one they say we don't have car parking what can we do and the city and the real estate owners are actually kind of working together to kind of make cycling uh, much more much nicer um, and they're actually investing in kind of bike sensors and these kind of things that that are tracking where people are going um, the bike sensors can if the road is really rough the bike sensors are telling the city and the kind of employers hey you know you need to fix these roads because lots of people are cycling here and, and they're bouncing up and down um, the sensors can even um, 
if there's a, a kind of a, a big b a kind of bash on the bike and the bike doesn't move, they're kind of recording the number of accidents and kind of really monitoring these kind of things. So there is some nice trends in cities where real estate owners who are really focusing on urban um, and there's realities such as, you know, we're not going to be able to provide car parking spaces. How do we work with the kind of local services and city to kind of really help um, those people walking or cycling or using public transport? So there's, there's some fun stuff happening there. Yeah, I agree as well. We have a, an app called Strava in, in Norway that's really, yeah. really commonly used as well. And, and it's the same thing that they did not attend, intend to use that app to, 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 to uh, help out with city planning. But actually, when you see where people actually cycle real time, yeah. then yeah. you really know where to put your for the effort. And WeWork is also launching this smart city uh, program, as you probably were seen with, with the director of Waze and, and a lot yeah. of other prominent people and I, I really uh, honestly don't know um, uh, too much about the, the program because it's not announced and it's not what I do work with but I think uh, it could be exciting to explore more of the city areas around the buildings as well and I, I think that's uh, some of the mandate for that group. Yeah, and, and, and actually I'm a big Strava user myself, yeah. um, but, but aside from that, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see the kind of connection and the kind of dovetailing with the um, the kind of services that you guys that either organically pop up around you guys because of of the demographics and the people using your spaces or the ones that you actively kind of co-create um, and are you actively doing that are you just kind of seeing what what's happening or are you bringing in uh, you know, pop-up services such as, you know, bike repair once a month or, you know, dog grooming or, you know, or, you know, juice bars, these kind of things. Are you promoting or providing a space in your spaces where you can test what kind of services people are, are using or, 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 you know, enjoying, let's say? Uh, yes, definitely. So, so it's uh, we, we try to keep our main focus on on really the the, the office part, so it uh, doesn't grow out in too many things. But we still have yoga classes. We still have like a barber shop here. We, we things are uh, coming in uh, more of uh, on the pop up basis. So we're uh, looking at uh, and we actually then trying to. As far as we can also use the members' uh, own services. So if you work for a company that does something in our building, then we'll let you have a, a space, pop-up space in the common area, and then we nice. can use your services there. So we like, yeah. and then the, the members will feel like they get a lot of value out of it, and people will also see that there is some relevant offerings here, and, and so that's. Um, it's really um, um, something that we try to focus on as well to to keep that that. Uh, as relevant as you can and, and uh, not to be too dominant, but to be like a, a cool integrated part of the, the strategy. Okay, that's, that's, that's really interesting. And again, I can see again how things are amplifying each other where, you know, that's another good example. You know, if, if I want to sell my services in a pop-up to WeWork uh, members, then you know what, I probably should host my company in a WeWork. It, it helps me get my foot in the door. And again, you're kind of amplifying and, and certain things are, are you, know, you know, enhancing or augmenting different parts of the company. So that sounds really interesting. Uh, let's finish up on some, on some chat then about the kind of global impact report. I will tweet uh, a link to it in the show notes um, and in Twitter as well. So there's been some really interesting things. There are some things like, you know, 
There is 80% of WeWork members globally report increased productivity since joining um, some of these things. What's been what's jumped out for you or what are the things that that that, that you were kind of most happy with in, in, that have been reported? I think they've only been reported, I'd say, less than maybe four weeks ago or something like this. Yeah, yeah. so it's a lot of interesting findings there. And so uh, I think the whole report was all about like finding all these things out for ourselves as well. We are doing a lot of research because it's uh, nice to have like a big, big uh, focus on, on uh, what the impact we do. So it's, uh, yeah, that 80% of the members say that their productivity has increased in joining WeWork. It's, it's really amazing, uh, I think. And, um, uh, and um, also that we found that 76% uh, of our members saying that they're working in the innovation economy so um, so uh, it's uh, it's a lot of innovative companies in this sphere even though we are uh, focusing a lot on uh, getting the big big companies uh, in there and and we see that a lot of um, the enterprise members like 47% of the not the startups but the larger companies sitting in in we work have members in more than one building so I think 47% of the enterprise members have uh, spread out their work staff on, on different buildings. So I think that's um, really, really uh, interesting. And then um, that the WeWork is 2.5 more efficient than other regular office spaces, uh, which then in turn uh, saves as it said in the report, like 1.75 million tons of carbon yeah. uh, to like uh, having uh, a better and more dense uh, than the workspace. That's uh, really cool as, as well. So yeah, and actually, that's so, I've, yeah. I've done a lot of those kind of things in, in in my background, both as a consultant and as a researcher. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting that you guys have come up with those numbers, and and you know, uh, we talk about carrot and stick and kind of these things. You guys, it's an, it's a really nice example of what this podcast is about. That instead of telling people, you know, hey, you should save money or hey, you should save the planet, you have to use your space more efficient, uh, and kind of using the guilt approach that you guys have just created a better service that's kind of more enjoyable, that's kind of nicer to be, that's kind of really easy to kind of kind of interact with. Um, and oh, look, look what happened when you kind of put people first, um, you get those savings, um, but, but you get those savings not by preaching or by, you know, talking about efficiency, you get them by, by talking about kind of, you know, user-centric services. Yeah, and I see that uh, a lot of the companies uh, have a lot of. Uh, if you see uh, like how much space you have per person, it's uh, it's uh, you see there's a lot of uh, potential for saving. I uh, worked in a, in my previous job. I worked in a 7,000 square meter building where with 200 people, and we were there 50% of the time. That means like just 70 square meters per person, 35. Yeah, uh, or 35 and, and then um, 70 square meters per person if you uh, take into the like how often we are actually there so so uh, I just uh, think a lot about like if you can bring people more together like have good solutions uh, good fresh air a lot of a uh, lot of uh, natural daylight but still keep it a little more dense I think it's a lot of savings to do that and that's really helpful it's really cool to see how helpful it is for, for the environment as well. Yeah, and actually that just brings up one last question then. The building in Stockholm, is it something you're building, um, is, it, is it a new building? Are you renovating an old building? What's the, what was the driver behind, you know, when you talk about daylight and these kind of things, what was the driver behind that, uh, that particular building plot or building? 
So I, um, uh, so it's it's, it's a big uh, refurbishment uh, okay. project, but it's it's, uh, it's a huge one. So it's uh, so we're really doing the most of it uh, together with AMF, uh, the, the company that uh, that owns the building there. So. Uh, but it's all about finding the solutions. How can you get the daylight all the way into the yeah. center? How can you get uh, upgrade the HVAC to a, to a new type of standard that are really uh, much more um, much bigger than uh, what we have in, in Scandinavia from before, and and to to get in all these solutions. So uh, and then we base it on the experience that we have from other countries, really, to to see how how you can uh, take. Uh, set building and then to implement all, all these things and that's uh, what we do as well like everyone if you think about like or the technology and what we have it's of course easier if you just build buildings from ground up but if you go to the best locations in the top cities in the world it's hard to find like new built projects all over so we really yeah. uh, most often have to, to uh, get into a building that's already there and perhaps protected and perhaps a lot of a lot of other variables that we need and uh, that uh, that are there, and then we have to that we have to find smart solutions on how to, to adapt uh, those buildings in terms of uh, daylight and, and the experience there. So, so I think we've gotten pretty good good at that. Um, so that's what we're implementing in the Scandinavian buildings as well. Okay, sounds really good. And the last thing I'm going to say is, anyone reading the kind of global impact report? Look out for the focus on these kind of innovation economy companies. It seems to be a US definition, but it's it kind of shows how WeWork has been really popular for these high value, high growth industries in tech, creative creative services, professional services, and advanced advanced manufacturing. So some of these really hot industries seem to be using you guys. Um, so that's that, that's a kind of a what would you say? That's a kind of endorsement in itself. Okay, that's been really useful. The last thing then is, how can people find out a bit more about the Stockholm building or about kind of WeWork Nordics or you? Do you want to send them towards a website or send them towards um, a, a Twitter address or something like that? So, so we're doing in the whole launch now. So I will, uh, I can provide you with uh, some information to to our Swedish uh, Swedish colleagues. So, uh, yeah. but you find the information you need on WeWork.com, and then we will be happy to tour anyone who would uh, like to see the Stockholm building, and then we'll hopefully have more in the Nordics to announce uh, pretty soon. Sounds really good. Thank you, Henrik. That's that's wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Citizen Centric Podcast. Transforming our cities with technology and sharing.